this is the closing talk of our retreat together and in this closing talk I would like to touch upon a few uh, aspects of the daily life situation. Firstly I would like to express my appreciation at the opportunity to come here, to come here to California and just before coming into the um, room here I was um, just thinking about it a little bit and and I think one of the things which arose for me why I appreciate it uh, so much is very very much the sense of being with conscious people and when we went round in the, the group yesterday from one to one I can say without exception that the sense of being in contact with such conscious people gives myself um, personally a great deal of joy and uh, enthusiasm and and I have mentioned a couple of times during the days that we have been here that situation in California among people who are living consciously both inwardly and outwardly in a way is a pointer for many other people in many other parts of the world and though we can sometimes express doubts and be a, be a bit concerned with the latest fad etc etc but nevertheless there's um, an energy and a vitality and uh, an interest which is in a way without compare and coming here gives me a, a great deal of renewal personally and many things, many of the conversations which I've had with you during the days many of the things which you have spoken to me about sometimes in you, um, books which have, would be very useful to read in someone was speaking to me this morning about women's music and con connecting me with you know, new expressions of that um, and, and with various practices and contemporary insights which are coming out of the situation here um, hopefully in a very small way at least get um, transmitted to other places which I go to and of course one has too this ex very interesting uh, project taking place in Central America in Nicaragua where there's a, an effort taking place to uplift the consciousness of the people through community life, through education, through, through health and through cooperation in a, in a, on a broad based level and, and all of this gives me many, many reminders of the, the value of being here and I must say I love too um, making my uh, annual pilgrimage to Telegraph Avenue <laughs> and just before the retreat started um, I, I went there and uh, I go on this on a book, book browsing trip through the shops and I start off as I tend to do with Cody's and, and I realized I had been in there about two hours and hadn't even got anywhere near any other bookshops and about an, um, an hour of that time was spent reading the poems of Pablo Neruda who I find uh, extraordinarily insight and insightful and creative and in many of these 
um, areas of being more conscious of countless forms and expressions for that, whether it's through poetry or through art or through therapy or through uh, teaching or through medicine or th through spirituality or meditation or through social work or political work, countless ways in which you and I can make small contributions in this world to living with more awareness and all that's really implied in that. And as I mentioned, many of the fresh ideas are really coming out of this area and I just want to pay a, an acknowledgement to that and to all of you for that. In coming into the daily um, coming into the daily life situation um, and bringing into awareness that there is one thing also having paid this compliment it ought to be balanced so <laughs> there's one thing which I think one has to be watchful and mindful of which is somewhat more noticeable here just through the conversations which I have say then say with the retreats in uh, um, in England is the tendency here for there to be too much input, too much input through people's senses. And sometimes this doesn't give our mind an opportunity to breathe easily. And too much input can be through the, the media, you know, through too much cinema or too much TV or um, too much having or just too much information, etc. And there is the danger that one knows a great deal but sees too little. And in knowing too much, in too much input, even when it's input of interest and, and value, it can again limit the potential for action. And there needs to be, I, I would say, through our, through our, sen through our senses, a watchfulness of that and learning to appreciate as and as you mentioned um, some of you mentioned here yesterday learning to appreciate that we can learn to do without and in this learning to do without not in a in an extreme kind of way but in learning to do without it helps to create and allow more space in our mind and through more space in our mind, more outflow of energy and expressing that in forms of creative action, direct action, in whatever way is appropriate. And it with, with this um, situation here, in a way it is really finding the balance, as always, of take, making use and appreciating and acknowledging what's happening and being connected with that but also just not overdoing things and in in that we find time to connect with ourselves and that connection with the world where we communicate something of value <coughs> in in the daily life situation and from when one leaves here, again there's, just as there was quite a contrast in going from 
the normalities of daily life into here, there's another kind of transition taking place in going from here to another situation. And the world, the world of sights and sounds, begins immediately to um, register itself upon our senses. And very easily, having experienced a period of the absence of something, the mind begins to move and it begins to move into the wanting of. And so some people find that th there's a kind of excitement which gets created in, in leaving and days go by in which one is exaggeratedly busy in, in doing this, doing that, doing the other and rather just take it easy. Just, just gradually se settle into the, the living situation on the day-to-day -day level rather than getting caught up in the rush. And this will help the mind to adjust in a balanced way from one day to the next, one day to the next. And I would just like, if I may, just to touch upon a few a areas reasonably self-evident uh, and therefore serve as really all of the talks do, serve as reminders. Because in a way, nothing ever startlingly new is said. Nothing is particularly uh, coming from a field of knowledge which is unfamiliar. Virtually all of the Dharma and its message and its communication is really reminders, reminders to us all of things that we know already, but we tend to forget. And in a, say, a group situation like, like we have here, there's the development of that receptivity to listening to what's helpful and useful outwardly and inwardly. And the crux of it centers around that. And to find ways and means in our living situation to basically apply the same principle, inner and outer listening and all that's meant by that. And in that I would say that if I was to make a kind of list of what's of most value in the living situation and put something at the right at the top of the list, the top of my list would be contact with like-minded people. I regard this as the greatest support for people, more, more than anything else at all. And that can show itself, as it, is it, is it just showing itself with someone who kindly wrote a note and someone on the board and someone who said uh, uh, yesterday, yesterday that they are willing to make um, time and space in their home or elsewhere for contact together, for a group sitting together, for, for a meeting together. And, uh, and I feel enabling this to happen in the daily, daily life situation is of extraordinary value. And I heard some time ago, and this, this is a case of um, a group of um, Christians living in North London. And they just referred to themselves as house Christians. And basically not concerned with um, the dogma and the ritual of the church, 
but just regularly they would meet once a week. In their contact with each other, about, there were about 15 or 20 of them, they would spend some time in silence, some time in prayer, and then they would uh, immediately afterwards they would sit in a circle in their respective home and just ask how each other was, what the last week was like for each person. And sometimes one person would have special needs, you know, it might be from a babysitter and another, the, 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 the car had broken down or another was having a hard time in a, in a relationship or whatever it might, might be. And then the group would explore ways and means that they could help each other and be a good friend to each other. And, and, and that kind of small cooperative of like-minded people that we really give support to each other. Now it often means for something like that to actually take place, someone says, yes, this is worthwhile doing. This is worthwhile bringing men, women and, and children together to be mutually aware of each other and to give support to each other so that small groups and units of people can be established. And quite often for those things to actually happen and get off the ground, you know, someone says, yes, my home can be used one evening a week or used on a Sunday morning for that kind of purpose. Then, you know, for a sitting or for a tape talk or just uh, a, a discussion together or a meeting about personal issues or whatever. And through, through that, quite often someone may come who has particular skills. And lots of people do, they find there's so much stuff going on inside of themselves and they and perhaps can't afford therapy, say, at, at, the, at the usual rates and somebody has a skill in that area and perhaps provides that as a service to help somebody else. All of, all of which contributes to everybody's understanding and personhood. And these sort of things are, are beginning to happen and more and more groups, not only in the uh, Dharma practice and tradition, but in other practices as well, beginning to recognize that the necessity of s mutual support. And there's of course, within that, there's really a, a long, long way to go. So there's, there's a, this area of contact with, with like-minded people. There is also the, the area of the actual meditation practice itself. And again, this varies, and it varies quite considerably from one person to another. In other words, some people are able and have the opportunity to meditate regularly. And some are very committed and very faithful to that, sitting every morning, every, every evening, regularly finding time to uh, take a day off and just to create a day for meditation in, in, in which a person just writes down the time, a timetable for the day and perhaps the, a friend or oneself just prepares the food and just has a quiet day with oneself, sitting, walking, sitting, walking. And again, using a situation like that for renewal. The great value of that, of course, is with the practice, it can be done really anywhere. One's place where one lives or 
going out into the, the countryside and finding a quiet place, all of which can help contribute to this inner renewal. And when there's the emphasis on just being with oneself, plenty of emphasis, of course, when one is uh, with oneself, on relaxation and settling in, then one, one particular day can really consolidate one's whole practice. And again, it's creating time for that. You know, and people like, like Gandhi, you know, and, uh, would create one day a week, and he said, for, for silence. Just a day just to be with himself, to gain some renewal. And it didn't matter who came to see him, he wasn't going to say anything. He just wanted to keep his day to himself, and he'd write a, a note or whatever. In and just as I say, making of time. And in the personal relationship, for those of you in the personal relationship, can really be, in this area, a very good friend to each other. Mm. Giving support to each other. Feeling that it's okay for one's uh, mate to go on a weekend retreat or a longer retreat. And if, they again, the, the trust is there and the understanding is there, those gaps of time away from each other don't have to be a, a threat to the relationship. And in fact, when, the, when there is the affection there, time away from also can bring out so much more affection as well, and, and a renewal of the connection, and a renewal of the closeness, and in fact a contribution towards the relationship rather than a threat to it. So in, thi in this area of couples, partners, working together, I would say, again, a very important area. So some people, as I say, just start the day early and create some time to do some uh, sitting meditation, using whatever, the breathing or the going through the body or being inwardly aware or more expansive awareness, just using it to see for oneself, placing that, as it were, in the context of each day, if possible. And if it's not possible and one wishes to sustain that in some way, then use like-minded people, make contact with them, find a place to sit with the group once a week or twice a week, if, if possible. A very imp another area, and there's, so there's contact with like-minded, there's regular sitting, and another very important area, of course, is in the place where one lives, one's home, one's flat, one's apartment. And, and it's important, obviously, because we spend so many hours in the place where we live. And to some degree or other, one might almost say something of ourselves in, is in the place. It reflects something about ourselves, where, where we live. And these days, I'm speaking more frequently of working to establish where, one's, where one lives as a peace center, as an ashram, as a spiritual center, to bring that into one's home life, rather than just, rather than using it to um, accumulate or using it just as a place to, to live, rather bringing something 
to that place, to one's home. Now that can show itself in terms of the way one's home is. And one of the things which one, I feel, can learn very much in that respect is a home where there's a certain creative expression within it. You know, it, it's using and having what's necessary, what's functional. It's the use of plants, it's the use of creative art forms, so that the things in one's home really say something. And it's a home where there's also, I feel, so important for all of us to remember, a home where there's a sense of space, a real feeling of space in the home, an uncluttered home. And in, in that rela relation, relationship to that, it contributes to a certain kind of harmony and order. Like we found, for those, uh, like those of you who are parents, that with children, and particularly with uh, y um, young children, they specialize in um, creating disorder out of order. <laughs> <laughs> and it's quite extraordinary, after, after, uh, a, after a day, one comes to the uh, end of the day and one wondered, you know, if a whirlwind had blown through. <laughs> and, and just sometimes, just changing the, the room and putting some order when the ch children are asleep and making, I feel, say with a meal, making it a spiritual experience, make bringing something to it. And s because so many of our meals are just functional, you know, we, we're hungry, eat. And yet, a whole atmosphere can be created, an atmosphere you know, of one person or a couple of people or a small group of friends and, uh, and quietness and candle and nu nutritious food and uh, communication, like holding of hands beforehand and just being together. And that, and that can create a certain kind of atmosphere which s says something, which addresses our, our hearts as much as it addresses our stomachs. And, and one has, we, of course, within the Eastern traditions, um, strong reminders of, of this. And, I mean, the, the real attention, say, within Hinduism, I feel, which Buddhism has a great deal to learn from, that there, is, there has been an, a, an intelligent approach to diet and, and to a vegetarian diet. And, and and the, and the value of that, and the significance of that. And in that area, I'm rather, su um, not surprised, but um, I just wanted to kind of to bring out, it does seem that very few, few people, few people in the Dharma, or too few people, s um, are vegetarian, both amongst the, t here in America, both amongst the teachers as well as um, amongst the meditators. And that, to some degree, is um, an influence, you know, from Buddhism in Asia. What happened with Buddhism in Asia was that because no strict guideline was laid down over the years, that the people, that out of their devotion to the monks and nuns, wanted to give the monks and nuns the best food, the most expensive food. And so, the monks and nuns, who have no choice, got meat. In, and, that, and as the time has gone by, that became a more primary aspect of the meal. 
Now, two and a half thousand years ago, India was a completely vegetarian society. It was considered gross to eat meat. And um, so unfortunately, as the time has gone by, this has happened. And I personally uh, feel, um, personal view, that looking at one's diet and giving care and attention to this area of diet is very valuable and important in a number of different ways. And certainly with us in England, I mean, all of my friends are doing practice and long-standing friends, we're all just vegetarian. It it's, uh, belongs to our uh, part of our practice, so to speak. And I just wanted to bring that up with you uh, this morning. In, um, so in, and of course there is the other message too, the message of Jesus and the Last Supper, where again, a message of making the meal times a shared experience, bringing some other atmosphere to it. And uh, that can be so, so revitalizing and, and nourishing in many, many different ways. In the so there's there's the, there's the giving care of it and attention to one's home, the the meditation, the contact with like-minded people, and the other, of course, which I feel is a very important theme in which many people are uh, discussing, a constant theme for exploration, is inner and outer, outer and inner, and. Hopefully that th these two will, the import of both will gain a much greater acknowledgement and realization as the time goes by. That to be very much involved in one over and above the other is an imbalance in life. You know, so sometimes one feels the mainstream of life is not really concerned with inner and outer. It's concerned with having. And there's, it's as, as though, it's no, sometimes it's not human beings, but human havings, you know, and, <laughs> and it, having this and having that and more of this and, and more of that. And unfortunately, given this society, given the strong emphasis in the West and, and elsewhere on producing and consuming, that finding the alternatives to that become very radical. It's a peculiarity. What ought to be normal actually is becomes radi radical. You know. And sometimes, you know, with this word ra radical, because it has often um, different connotations, in its more original meaning, its root meaning is radical means getting to the root of. And so it's living in connection with, living with the connection with change and touching it life more deeply, getting to the root of that. It, that's the meaning of radical. In, and I don't expect you have this vegetable, radish, you know, it, right, same. <laughs> and so in, in learning to be in touch with events and, and to connect, connect with events, it's seeing what the reality is, outwardly and inwardly, and beginning to work with it and understand it. 
And that, that includes, I would say, many spheres of life. It's not coming from a narrow perspective. I mean, let us, ta let us take one um, as, an, as an example. Um, th this morning I played some m music, and this mu music by the, by the police. And many, many of us here, of course, were brought up and the influence of rock music was probably strongest for many of us during the 60s, maybe during the late 60s or into the uh, early 70s. And we can have a kind of image, this is just one example of music, of what rock music, relating actually to the past. And we can be quite out of touch with music and what's actually happening. And the thing is, not only do we get out of touch, but we refer to the past, which is out of contact with the present, and because for many young people in the West, music is so I important for them, we, let, we get out of contact with young people. And music, and rock music especially, has moved on considerably from the past. One can't relate, even though the sounds may say, and some of the l lyrics, but there's a k another kind of momentum which is happening. Let us take an example. When in the 70s, in the latter part of the 70s, the, when punk music came into being and this kind of force, so the social force came out of England and um, exemplified almost by the, uh, by, by the band uh, The Sex Pistols, you know, which were by anybody's standards quite outrageous, you know. <laughs> and there was, and, and with the change in the social situation and the extraordinary increase, and painful increase in unemployment and the young people bearing the brunt of it, the music has shifted as it, from love, peace and freedom and all those funny concepts, which we were, as it were, brought up with, with the idealism that went with it, to a communication from punk and almost post-punk period now of what it's like being out on the streets, unemployed, got nothing to do, what's it worth going home for? It's, that, it, it, it's the generation of young people who, who are exp expressing their, to some, ex to some ex extent, their anger, some extent their disappointment, some extent their alienation because they've been promised so much in education and they've got so little. And, and this meeting, I think, with con and connecting with young people, one of the s ways is by understanding some of their music and what they're saying, uh, understanding their, 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 their dress and, 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 the, and the whole background of saying something t to the world. And I think it's so easy that they get rejected and dismissed and not connected with. And the music is uh, uh, something of a, a key, a key for all of us. Both those who are parents of teenagers, for those of you who are, have any contact with, with young people. And there's that, that song this morning sung by Sting, you know, of, about um, Miss Gradenko is working in the office and the office is trying to find ways to do some more cheating and she's, and she's showing her feelings. 
Is it safe, Miss Gradenko? Is it safe? You know, this, this, the recognition of this, the, the disparities and the music com communicating, questioning these things. And it's just, as I say, one small sphere where, where any area of life, I, I feel the Dharma is the message of the here and now, the here and now reality, what it actually is and what's our relationship to it, because it involves all of us. You know, you know, giving care and attention to the here and now re reality. Sometimes there can be, and I think one must watch and guard, guard with regard to this, that because we might there might be a certain emphasis and a certain interest, say, in social action or political action or taking up issues, that one has to be watchful not to create that this what is what one ought to be doing as some kind of norm or standard and everybody should be involved. I, I feel that that's, that's a kind of pressure which easily can occur. And, and in that case, for some people, it is appropriate that. But there are many other ways of expressing one's love and concern for life. And that can be, which I feel has hardly been touched yet, is through the field of art, through the field of cr creativity, finding ways which means that one's not necessarily concerned with what other people's lives in a very personal way, but expressing something from within oneself to bring and to make manifest in this world. And, and, and there needs to be many new expressions of that. There's a whole field for art to say something, whether in whatever sense one feels that can be expressed all areas for exploration, all areas within the individual for opening up the consciousness. So, uh, in, o in other words, there are people, there are people who may just spend long periods of time doing retreat, doing meditation and sustained meditation. And again, the mind can easily undermine and dismiss such people. Say, well, what are they doing? And I feel, again, that is not to consider adequately enough what those people are doing. And some people who are engaged in sustained meditation in some of the retreat facilities in the West and in the East are in themselves contributing to a sane world. They're a reminder to us to be in touch with uh, ourselves. They're often very inspirational when one comes to do a retreat, particularly when persons come for the first time and you see other people who are really working hard on oneself. It, 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 it touches places inside of oneself as, as well. And I know some of the monks that I've met with when I was in Thailand who have spent 5, 10, 15 years living in the cave, living in the jungle, not having contact with the world. But I know how much that encouraged me that I have to go through this phase in my life. And that there were, knowing that there were others who were doing that meant that for a period of time in my own life I needed that kind of isolation and I needed to know that others in this world were still were doing that. So again, I, I, in that respect, it's a kind of appeal, an appeal for an open-mindedness. Not to dismiss people who engaged in spiritual practice. 
you know, and it's like one person on the, on the retreat said, um, I asked the person how long um, she had been engaged in practice in, and, and working on herself, you know, through meditation practice, and she said seven or eight years. And my immediate response was, oh, just beginning. And, and I mean that, just beginning. So, so a, a, again, we need with each other to give each other time and space in our life. Time and space which really works and connects effectively with the outer, finding ways for that to be channeled, to be conscious human beings, and time and space for the inner. And what we see is the main thrust which is taking place is that the, de the, the depart main departure is that for the majority of people, as far as I can see, that it's the working very much with the two together. A simultaneous approach to conscious living. Rather than the old form, except for the minority, who say inner first, outer after. Isolation first, intensive meditation, intensive retreat, then the outer. And what we're seeing and, and taking place is more the bringing of the two together. And as we become more clear inwardly, and all that's implied in that, that clearness manifesting outwardly, and, the, and seeing the inseparability of the two. And this, in a way, is a, an historical departure, and one which uh, has enormous potential. And some of us feel, and I cer certainly feel, that there is something of an urgency to the work. Not an urgency in terms of generating um, and speaking of these old methods and techniques and bringing those into the world and establishing those. That's, that's all, that's, I feel, very secondary. But an urgency to the work towards a, a establishing um, a way of life which has its root in that which is truly of value. On all those things which you and I have been talking about over these days together. And if we can maintain our focus inwardly and outwardly, it's got to start, and as it is, generating and generating and generating in a way which is truly an open way. A way which someone said uh, um, yesterday, yesterday to me, which I very much appreciated, that uh, I, that um, person sense that I feel and something very this is very close to my heart, to the endeavour and the heart's wish to come from the place of no place in one's communications about life, to come from the place of no place. And I'm just not coming from a dogma or a form, but you and I endeavouring to meet life as it is and stay firmly in touch with that in an unwavering way. And that brings out of us great devotion to life and great hope for our earth and for the men, women and children who walk on the face of it.
May all beings live with awareness. May all beings see into the nature of things. May all beings abide with compassion. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.